Hey all, it's AJ here from Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. I'll admit today's call-up podcast got me straight in the fields. Our Bruce Nadin talks to Paralympian Neil Lowe. Despite a tragic accident in his teens that resulted in an amputation, he helps us through his own story understand the greater purpose behind life setbacks. He shows us how God's plan is to use us way beyond the podiums that we determine for ourselves and prepares us in his own way for the purpose beyond this competition. It's an inspirational and honorable ongoing story of living and serving from a place of gratitude despite personal tragedy. If you're enjoying our work, give us a like and a share on your socials and find us on all the top podcast apps like Podbean, Google Podcasts and Apple and search for The Call Up Podcast where faith meets sport and life. Call Up is hosting our very first breakfast where you can meet us in person and guests like J.P. Dumini. It's on the 20th of May and you can grab a ticket on quicket.co.za and search for the Call Up Sports Breakfast where faith meets sport and life and we get to meet you in person. Don't miss it. The Call Up Podcast where faith meets sport and life. This is brought to you by Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. Well, I'm delighted to welcome to this edition of the Call Up podcast a man who, he will be reluctant to use this, but a man I believe is a legend in his sport and a legend in South African sport. And... I think I can say this as a Brit. I don't think we always cherish our legends in South Africa in the way that we should. I'm thinking of of Lucas Redebi, the the Leeds United player. Um, When he goes back to Leeds, his story and his contribution is honoured in a way that it's not always honoured in South Africa. And I think it's true also of the, the man who is in front of me today, a man who he has got multiple medals at the Paralympics and at World Championships and is an All-African champion. But a man who's got an incredible story of how God has worked through the toughest of seasons uh, for his glory and honor. And I've got no doubt as you listen to this story today that your life will be touched by what you hear. So Neil, it's really good to have you on the Call Up podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Bruce, for the opportunity. I am really grateful and really looking forward to a wonderful time together. And uh, yeah, may God be glorified in our conversation. Well, I've already touched upon all the medals. I should have asked you to bring them, but that would then have made you a weightlifting champion (laughs) because there's some fairly weighty ones there. But before we kind of dive into, you know, that that part of your story, you know, like, like every young person, uh, many young people growing up in South Africa, you loved your sports. When did you start playing sport? What were the sports you excelled at as a, as a youngster? You need to look back many years ago. I was blessed and privileged to grow up in a house where my parents were very much supportive. They were devoted Christians and I was exposed to, to Christian principles and values from an early age. And during that time, my, my dad was a very keen sports lover. And I think that sparked also the enthusiasm and the passion for me to participate myself. And I remember since primary school days, I was always either cheering along for teams or, or participating myself, especially rugby, tennis, and athletics, as a matter of fact. I had happy childhood days. Uh, 
by God's grace. Even my teenage years were actually pleasant, not really exposed to any anything in terms of adversity or a tragedy of any anything of that nature. It was just smooth going. So life was safe and life was good. Good, carefree days, really. Uh, yeah. you know, in retrospect, and as you back. were playing your sport, you know, as a, a youngster, as a teenager, you know, what were some of your dreams and aspirations? I remember that I was selected for sports teams at school level, the ones that I mentioned, however not receiving provincial or national colors at that stage. But I was always dreaming, standing on a podium, competing on a higher level, who knows, even in, on international level later on, not knowing what would follow in years to come. So let's maybe <laughs> go there, because there you are, as you just described, of pretty carefree life and, and you've acknowledged you know it was, it was pretty easy it was pretty comfortable and then 1984 boxing day absolutely December the 26th that's right tell us what happened on that specific day we were on holiday in the southern cape visiting a small town buffalo bay close by uh, george and eisner i would say so on the day we went sailing with a catamaran we were invited by our friends to enjoy the day at the lake swartflay so my brother, my friend, and myself, we were towing a catamaran down a dirt road towards the lake when the mast touched overhead electrical power lines. And in a flash, the whole boat, the little sailing boat was electrified and 11,000 volts subsequently surged through our bodies. And uh, we were Hold on, 11,000 volts went through the catamaran. Absolutely so. And through you. Yes, it was an absolute miracle that, that we survived that accident due to the third-degree burning winds that we sustained, all three of us. So you survived, but you know there were still fairly significant injuries, right? Absolutely so. It was burning wounds, and that means in order to, to, to save our lives, they had to amputate limbs. Wow. And later on also uh, do some skin grafts uh, in order. In, in, in wherever we were injured in that, to that extent. So um, it was a, a battle for survival, actually, initially. Yeah. And, and we just realized that um, we had been given a second chance in life. Yeah. Now, here you are, 16 years of age. You know, you've just suffered this horrific accident, you know, along with your, your brother and friend, you know, and you've lost... Your, uh, your left arm, right? Yes. What happened is they had to amputate my left arm, my brother's right arm, and leg been below the knee, as well as the toes of his left foot, as well as my friend Henny's right arm. So we all lost limbs, but by God's grace, no internal injuries or brain damage, would, which could have easily been the case. Yeah. So medically speaking, looking back retrospectively, uh, a godly intervention, which actually... Uh, granted as a second chance in life, as I've said. But this still has huge implications, doesn't it? You're yeah, 16 year old, you've got dreams and suddenly you're, you, you've not got an arm. And, you know, what, what sort of questions and thoughts were going through your mind at the moment? What impact did this have on your faith? Well, suddenly the future was very uncertain to me and I was not sure of my own capabilities. And, and being during that time sort of in God's, University of adversity, in a sense. I realized later. That's a great. That's a great <laughs> phrase. University of adversity. It's life, right? I believe that I was sort of prepared and equipped for for my future, although I didn't understand it at that moment in time. So my desire was to serve the Lord more diligently 
being a Christian already during that time, having realized that I had, as I've said, been, been, been given a second chance in life. And, and the reality dawned on me during that time that joy isn't found in the absence of something, but in the presence of God. Wow. So in the ensuing months of pain, discomfort, and, and, and despair, I was increasingly becoming aware that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Yeah. Um, what we read also in Romans 8, 38 and 39. By God's grace, I, I adapted to my single-handedness, and God turned these disadvantages into witnessing opportunities mm -hmm. by its grace. And, and what happened is that I resumed my schoolwork. Once again, I was I mean, 17 years, 16 years old, and, and also my comp and entered the competitive sport arena once again. So, so you know, having, having begun this process of recovery, you you now got to participate in sport without your arm and you do it, it's actually amazing two weeks after the accident the surgeon just having lost my left arm the surgeon told me that he felt confident that i would participate in sport once again wow little did we realize then that eight years later i would re represent south africa at the paralympic games in barcelona so it was just amazing for me it was a, a battle for survival and all of a sudden the possibilities occur for me to compete again and what was amazing, even at school level, I started competing not only in athletics, but rugby and tennis against so-called able-bodied um, sports people. And that still remains one of the most memorable moments in my life. So, so I think that's crucial for people to, to hear. You, you, you go back to playing sports and you don't participate initially in all ability sport. You just go back competing with your peers. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. I mean, it's it was as though my my sporting career has for only been temporarily interrupted for some time. But what I can say is my introduction to sport for people with disabilities really opened new doors for me mm. and afforded me with opportunities that I never would have encountered. And and that came basically by just a person knocking on my door in a wheelchair introducing me to sport for people with disabilities. And my first reaction was, well, am I disabled? <laughs> what, what does it mean to be a, yeah. a person with a disability? Because I, I, by God's grace, I've adapted, to, as I've said, to my single-handedness. And I was back at school and I was continuing with my daily activities. So, so it was a process for me to accept the fact that there were opportunities for me to compete against athletes with similar uh, limitations than my own. And that would just open new doors for me. So when did you start competing with other people in, in that all-ability setting? That was in 1986 when I was in my matric year. At that time, my brother and friend also competed as juniors. I, I remember the SA Championships in Bloemfontein, and it, it, we just wanted to compete. So we entered for all events, basically, not, <laughs> only, not only track events. I mean, I was a sprinter from primary school days, 100, 200, later on 400 meters, long jump. But we even did some field events. And my brother, who was actually a hurdler, he decided, well, he'll go for also for, for field events. My friend, he did some long distance running. So it was amazing our first exposure to this. And it, it just sparked a, an, an eagerness and just something to, to go beyond and to make the most of this opportunity afforded and to keep on participating. And yeah, it, it worked out well for me in some years thereafter. So at what point? Did you realize that actually you would be able to compete at the highest level? In 1991, I remember, I, was, I received Springbok colors. 
during those days. It's quite interesting. And then in 1992, a year thereafter, I was part of a South African team of about 10 people presenting the, the, the country at the Paralympic Games in Barcelona. It was my first exposure to a, a, the national major sport event of that extent. And, and I was absolutely overwhelmed. It was a unique opportunity. Although we, I remember if, thinking back, it was just after the isolation years, yeah. we still have to, had to generate some funds on our yeah. own. We didn't have a, uni a truly united team in a sense, yeah. not a national flag or anthem even yet. But, but it was the beginning. It was the start at least. And, and for me personally, um, having competed against, well, 3,000 athletes from more than 100 countries, each with their own unique disability, was absolutely overwhelming. For me, that was they, all those who actually had come to terms with their own disability and triumph over it. For them, for me, they represented what I've heard, uh, human tri triumph, courage, and endeavor. Mm -hmm. And and that actually touched my life in a sense. And and, I, and the true spirit, a, a sense of a, the true spirit of sport. Absolutely, the true spirit of sport, that universal language that that's being spoken. I I just couldn't felt I belonged there. I connected with them, and it was as if my personal world have only been expanded. Yeah. Not only opportunities to compete against able bodies in a sense in preparing for events like that. So what but, what but, many people would this, say was an event that many would assume would limit you, correctly God so. has used in a way to completely smash open the possibilities. Absolutely, definitely so. And, uh, and, and by God's grace, I've, I've obtained two medals in the 200 and 400 meter um, sprinting events in the class. I, I told everyone you were a legend, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, at that time, they call it still uh, the, the, my class um, TS4. Later okay. it becomes T46. It's people all with one arm basically apart from the other the other yeah. limbs which are actually not affected so yeah that was an amazing time together my wife also attended she cheered along and it just was the beginning of a journey for me in the international um, arena yeah and i know subsequently you know you picked up uh, medals at the, the the world champs and then 96 comes a huge huge olympic yes. in atalanta with with big crowds for the paralympics correctly so as i as i recall and of course by 96, uh, things have changed considerably in South Africa, haven't they? I mean, you've just said no flag, no anthem, everything's in transition. That's changed in 96. Definitely so. Just tell us about, yeah, about that, was, that. That was fantastic, uh, Bruce, actually, to be a member of a truly united team representing the whole country, basically. All of a sudden, we were proud having our own flag. Still one of the best Paralympic teams who left our shores. A much bigger team, as a matter of fact, than, than 92 I was I entered for the 100, 200, and 400 events once again. Uh, well, in a sense, not to my own uh, benefit and, and favor, because the it was a challenge, the the program and the schedule as such. Since one two of my finals were just one one day apart, yeah. one night apart, and I think in a sense that affected also my performance. But um, I'm grateful to say that I I still. Um, won one bronze medal in the 200 meters, which was very, very special. People are beginning to understand why I say if you bought your medals, you would have been <laughs> weighed down. Yeah, and um, I will always treasure that that as well in the 96. Unfortunately, my wife couldn't attend. My eldest son was only 10 days old, so she had to look after him and stay at home. Okay. But my dad, he came along. He was part of a supporting group, and we, we journeyed along, and we spent quality time together, which was very special. So you're competing at the highest level 
um, in your sports. Um, but there's 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 one there's one athlete. There's always that one athlete, isn't there? That just like Usain Bolt for many years in the <laughs> hundred meters. You had that guy. You yeah. had your in the in the nicest, friendliest way. You had your arch nemesis. Tell us a little bit about that's it. That's a fact. I, well, actually, I met him the first time in Barcelona in 1992 when we were competing in the hundred and two hundred meter events. And what I can remember of of that was that he set the two world records. This is Nigerian, it. right? The Nigerian Ajibola Adio, brilliant athlete. He was born with one arm, basically. He set the world records in the hundred and two hundred which was 10.72 and 21.83. Brilliant times. I was running against him as well in 96. He won again. And then 1999 was the opportunity in South Africa, home swell, where I would meet him once again in the in the 200 meter final. This is at the All-Africa Games. All-African right? Games in Johannesburg. And um, that was also a very special event. Call Up is hosting our very first breakfast where you can meet us in person and guests like JP Dumini. It's on the 20th of May and you can grab a ticket on cricket.co.za and search for the Call Up Sports Breakfast where faith meets sport and life and we get to meet you in person. Don't miss it. So you beat your arch nemesis. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, you you guessed correctly, but it was I was definitely not the favourite for the for the race. Um, it was a, such a unique opportunity to to meet once again. We've had a great time also off the track, and strangely enough, during that race, when we entered the the, the, the final stretch towards the the finishing line, I think the last twenty meters or so, it seems that he lost a little rhythm. Just um, almost seems as if he was stumbling a little bit. And I couldn't believe it, but I was just close behind him. And and I think, well, this is the opportunity to catch up. And 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 I just passed by just before crossing the line and and winning with a small margin. But it was it was special. So not just People beating him, on. doing this on home soil. What was it like getting on the podium singing the South African national? Oh, I'll never forget it. It's uh, one of those memories I will treasure for a lifetime, really. Uh, it was it was it was great, especially amongst all the, all, uh, the other South African and African athletes. Interesting enough, I was also part of an outreach during that time, and that was also my first exposure to chaplaincy and to outreach. We were distributing also some Christian videos with the Jesus film and testimonies on it of some legends like Ezekiel Sipeng and Penny Haynes. I was humbled to to also for them to also include my testimony. So I've seen the impact of that also. So. It, also, for that reason, it was a special event for me. Yeah, so you're being exposed to Absolutely. other possibilities, other possibilities. In, in terms of, of ministry, and and we'll maybe come to that. You know, yes. your future purpose, of course, so. be, beyond so. beyond uh, competition. But um, you know, ninety nine, there you are. You've just beaten your arch nemesis. You're in the form of your life, and it's the Sydney Olympics in two thousand. So you must have had fairly high expectations going into that. Oh, definitely so, especially. For since I was running the best times of my of my career about two three months prior to that event, and I was also well not not that young any longer. So, but I think the experience played a role. Everything was in my favor in a sense. And then came the twenty fourth of October of of that year two thousand, the hundred meter semi final in the Olympic Stadium. My wife Hanali and my dad cheering along from the pavilion. 
I remember it was like a cloudy day. I had a great start. I was running next to the Zimbabwean um, Elliot Mujaji, who was also one of the favorite um, athletes to win. And it was the 100 semifinal. And I was I was in front after 50 meters. Okay. And then, unfortunately, disaster struck. The next moment, I just felt an excruciating pain in my thigh. And I uh, sustained a third-degree hamstring tear. And I just Sprint, sprinter's nightmare. Right? Absolutely, I, it is one of. I mean, we all know that hardships and setbacks and injuries are part of a sport sports person's life. In a, in a sense, I could have expected it to happen sooner or later. Although I have slight injuries during my career, but nothing compared to this. Yeah. And 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 without warning, basically. So I was I was really astonished. I was overwhelmed. I was, in a sense, disheartened. Hmm. not knowing why it happened. And yeah. I was asking questions. And and all of a sudden, I realized that that's, this was the end of, of competing in the in the game. So I went for a sonar afterwards. They assessed the nature and extent, but there was no other choice than to withdraw. And I just remember that night in the Paralympic Village, I was, I was quite alone and I was struggling, asking various questions, seeking God's face actually to to get some some guidance and direction of why it had happened and and i must say um it was one of those profound moments in my life being alone there at night reading through some um, scripture verses and and some notes from from friends and, and family when i discovered in nehemiah 8 verse 10 where it says the joy of the lord is my strength and and that really touched my heart and made me realize, gave me a total different um, perspective on on what had happened, and and just made me aware. Key, isn't it? The joy, the joy, the joy is not found Absolutely. in our circumstances. I mean, it's easy to say sitting it's here right now. It's easy to say, and I was dreaming of a standing on a podium with a medal around my neck, and all of a sudden I was in a wheelchair with my wife, sort of assisting me, pushing me around, sort of in the in the city. But but I realized that that God is still in control. And that he might have a different plan and purpose for me being there. And in retrospect, for, pe- for people sympathizing with me and asking questions and feeling sorry, I, there was an, also an opportunity for me to encourage them and to support them and to play a different role than anticipated in that team. Mm. So they, I, I, sh- I'm, I should have been there and, and it was great for me being there. So you, so you, so so you had this moment with God. Absolutely. You wrestled. I wrestled. Yeah, definitely. you wrestled with God, and I don't think, you know, we we you know I've said this on 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 other podcasts. Here. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we 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 want to jump from Good Friday to Easter Sunday, but we have to go through the silence and the That's questioning and the the solitude and an anguish of Easter, Easter, uh, our Easter Saturday. We can't go round the pain. We have to go through it. That's, that's a fact. You know, and, um, you know, I think there's a lesson in that for, I think, for all of us. Um, and yet in the midst of it, you heard God. Yes. You heard from the Lord. Absolutely. And it sounds to me like you had opportunities almost immediately to begin to serve your team. Amazing. There was a platform set definitely to encourage my, my teammates and, and, and to sort of, uh, be an instrument hmm. in God's hand. Um, hmm. I was not prepared for that, but I realized afterwards that that God actually used me in, in that sort of environment. So often we fall into the trap of thinking in sport, God can only use me when I'm on the podium. That's a fact, eh? Because it's the world a, says that. 
the world the world says you only matter when you've got a medal around your neck and you're singing the anthem. Correctly so. But actually, God is able to to use us, and I think this comes through strongly in your story. I yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I believe that that God has sort of since my accident started to equip me and prepare me also to use me later on. So that was something. So maybe that's maybe that's worth going to, going to because I think I think I was I was, was going to ask you about you know what have you learned about God, but I think yes. that's already that we're already getting a sense of that. I think God didn't just turn this accident and the loss of your arm around to 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 widen the possibilities for you with your sport in a way that you could never have imagined. You know so. what you're saying is he's also been using this and this athletics career to prepare you for something beyond competition. Tell us a bit more about that. Definitely so. If I look and I and I and I think about the my international career of approximately 10 years. Yes, it was rewarding to 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 win some medals and there was a lot of highlights. But I think the fact that I could meet so many people, some some were even competitors or within this the the world of sport where friendships were established and and sort of a network was created for me also to 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 impact others and for others also to impact my life during that time when i realized that there's much more than mere competition there's there's a race of life where all of us are competitors which is so much more important than than the physical race i mean ultimately we need to to play on the field of life, we need, we, we need to meet people's needs, basically. So what have I learned about God? I've realized that during these, this time and even after the accident, soon thereafter, that God had a very specific plan and a purpose for my life. And that we, I shouldn't allow pain and, and suffering and, and, and discomfort and, and that to diminish my faith or disillusion me, but to really see it also as, as a means for a greater purpose. And that God is basically still in control and that he sometimes, for reasons that I might not understand well, would allow or permit things to happen in my life for, for good reasons. Sometimes mm. in retrospect afterwards, you only mm. understand it better. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me of what Louis Giglio once said, that God paints on a, on a, on a canvas that is bigger that, than we can see or understand. Yeah. So, so I had to, to realize that even if it was actually to, to, to deepen my trust in him or to draw me closer to him or to prepare me for ministry at some time or to strengthen my character, for instance, or to shape me in ways and means that he wants to use me. And, and, one, of, and one of those has been, hasn't it, that, that you've now, as, as you've indicated, you, you, know, you serve athletes often in a chaplaincy role. Absolutely. That's a fact. And, and that, that emanates from my exposure to, to chaplaincy programs in 1999 and 2000. 2000, I was attending chaplaincy activities in a, in a Christian room, for instance, led by Johnny Erickson Tada yeah. uh, from the, the US, um, who's been in a wheelchair for more than 50 years. Having yeah, a, and I, I want to say anybody who's listening to this, Google her name and get hold of her book because she's got a stunning Stunning, stunning testimony. That's a fact. We'll 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 put a link to the book in, Thank you in so the much. notes because that's so a much. brilliant story. I mean, I had the privilege. Well, right after our accident, we listened to her music and yeah. read her books, and that really encouraged 
my brother and I during that time of rehabilitation. Then I've met her in 2000, basically, and I, I have a personal conversation with her and, mm. and actually expressed my gratitude for what she had meant to me. Mm. And, and something that she said also touched my heart. She, 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 one of her quotes is that sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Wow. Christ in us, our hope of, for our hope of glory. Colossians 127, I think. Yeah. And, and that gave me a total different perspective on life when I've met her and even had the opportunity some years later in a sport ministry context to, to, to visit her ministry in LA and, and spend some time meet, considering some partnering um, opportunities as well. So, so what I've seen there and the Bible studies and the prayer, that sparked my own enthusiasm and eagerness to, to also become a chaplain later in my life and and be involved in a more structured way in sports ministry. And of course, you're off to this year's World Champs in Paris. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I, I was not foreseen, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity as well. I was approached by the organizer of of the event, of, of a chaplaincy program, which is during the Para-Athletic Championships in Paris uh, during the coming July, 6th of 7th to 6th to 17th of July, um, amongst 12 others, 11 others. And and this is 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 the pinnacle of of what has actually I've been prepared for in a sense and 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 was dreaming about. So um, by God's grace, I I was also a, I'm a accredited chaplain in South Africa, attended a course in 2016, and and this is just an opportunity to practice what I've what I've learned and what yeah, I've. Yeah, we're so we're, we're so proud. There's going to be a South African <laughs> sports chaplain at the uh, at the games in Paris and. Who knows, maybe representing in a different way at the next Olympics in Paris, who knows? Well, who knows? I mean, the, a year thereafter, there's the Paralympics in the, in the same yeah, city. Absolutely. Wouldn't it be fantastic if, if we have been afforded another absolutely. opportunity? Yeah, definitely. So. This, is, this has been a delightful conversation, but I know that you have a life motto. And I know from listening to another podcast, so if the guys at Christians in Sport in the UK hear me, mentioned this it's because I heard this on their podcast but you've got such an inspirational life motto would you like to share that with us and maybe give a bit of context as well yes what happened actually is prior to the Paralympic Games in Sydney 2000 I was approached by one of the organizers in our team a team manager I think and she asked me for a life motto which would have been displayed at the clubhouse in Sydney wow. the South African clubhouse basically and I was thinking a little bit and, and just it came into my mind the following, basically, which, which later on became like a life motto to me. And it sounds as follows. It's not the arm that I lost that really matters, but all the countless blessings that I have gained in this race of life. I'm going to ask <laughs> you to say it again, because I think anybody listening to this is kind of there's been a holy hush <laughs> when you've said that. So it's worth hearing again. I'll repeat it. It's not the arm that I lost that really matters, but all the countless blessings I have gained in this race of life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. That's, yeah. The call-up prayer book. Um, favorite prayer or theme in the book? Yes, it's it's actually difficult because there are so many prayers that applies to so many different scenarios. When when I read through it, the one that that came 
actually took to mind and that touched my heart was one after, a prayer after training. Because it's a prayer that we can can continue praying. And it also relates to a very very special verse for me personally um, from scriptures, um, which is 1 Timothy 4 verse 7 and 8. And it says basically that uh, physical training has, has value, but, but godliness, training for godliness, mm. is as much more value mm. because there's a promise for, for, for this life as, as well as the life to come, basically. So I was thinking that in, in, in a sense, it was thanking God for, 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 for testing us in various ways when we train, but it's also a reaffirmation and like a, um, uh, how can I say, um, uh, an opportunity to just consecrate your life once again, focusing up and pursuing godliness, which is actually spiritual training or or practicing biblical disciplines, hmm. and and that continues actually. That's yeah. beyond even competing yeah. on the track or on the field, yeah. and even the the locker room. It's the field of life where yeah. we need to meet people's needs, and and that that prepares us. That kind of a prayer for that to have that continuous mindset. That's incredible. And your locker room worship song. We're asking every athlete this. <laughs> also, once again, it was difficult, but this song by Brandon Lake, and the, the song is named, has the name Gratitude. And it, it's a song whereby you just express your gratitude towards God for who he is and for so many blessings in my life. And, and, it, and it says, I, I lift up my hands. In my instance, it's a singular, I lift up my hand. And I praise you again and again and again. So it's that continues just thanking God for, for, for each and every blessing in, in your life. And, and there's so many for me, thinking back to, to after the accident and my family life, my wife, with whom I'm being married for more than 30 years, three boys in their 20s who are all very special to me, close friendships that have been established, the opportunity to be part of sports ministry on a global level to lead a global team for the last 10 years. The chaplaincy opportunities emanating there from, and even having a a full-time job, being a legal advisor. So there's, there's a lot of things to be grateful about. And, and it says also the song that nothing to give for a King, except my heart saying, hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm -hmm. And, and so, so I can identify with, with, these words on a, on a, on and a I think basis. anybody listening to this <laughs> will go they've already picked up on the fact that you you live and serve from a place of gratitude thank and you that so song much. that song seems very telling absolutely so um and we're grateful we're grateful for you uh we're grateful for your story and your willingness to share it and most of all we're grateful for god who's writing it with you and for you Neil, it's been an absolute privilege to have you on the Call Up podcast. God bless you. Thank you so much, Bruce. It's a privilege for me as well, and I I really appreciate it. And God bless you in Paris. Thank you so much. Call Up is hosting our very first breakfast, where you can meet us in person and guests like J.P. Dumini. It's on the 20th of May, and you can grab a ticket on cricket.co.za and search for the Call Up Sports Breakfast, where faith meets sport and life, and we get to meet you in person. Don't miss it. The Call Up Podcast.
where faith meets sport and life. This is brought to you by Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. The Power of His Dream brings you here. LIA Productions.